in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, with the fall of Adam and Eve, there were four problems for us to inherit the kingdom of God. Four problems. What are the four problems? With the fall of Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world. And all of us, we were born with the original sin, and also we were born with corruption. That's why even if a child died immediately after his birth, I'm speaking about before Christ, not right now, speaking after the birth of Adam, the oldest. If a person died immediately, he cannot enter into heaven because he's born with the original sin and also with corrupted nature. That is the first problem. The second problem, in the Old Testament, God gives them the law, list of commandments. And he asked them to keep the law. And he told Moses very clearly, do this and you shall live. Do this and you shall live. So if we don't, then we will die. And no one from Adam till actually the end of the ages can keep the law without breaking one commandment. And as St. James said in his letter, if you break one commandment, you are guilty of all. So now actually everybody broke the law. So all of them actually they are in violation. The third problem. There was no forgiveness in the Old Testament. When I tell me about nation said to David and the Lord, forgive your sins, it's a promise of forgiveness. But if David was forgiven, when did he die? When did he go after he died? He went to Hades and waited till the sacrifice of Christ. So there was no forgiveness. As St. Paul said in Hebrews, in his letter to the Hebrews, that the blood of animal cannot forgive our sins. Cannot. I cannot be redeemed by animal sacrifice. And the fourth problem, everyone was under the sentence of death. And there was no reversal. That, as that said to Adam and Eve, if you eat from this tree, you shall surely die. And everyone became under the sentence of death. So these were four problems. And the Old Testament, God gave us the law and He asked us to keep the commandment without any help from Him. Any help from Him. You do it on your own, you do it based on your ability. And you may ask why, like a child broke his toy and he wanted to fix it. So the father actually, his parents, leave him try to fix it. 
until he reached a point, I need help. I cannot fix it by myself. Then we need the parents can help. Because if the parents from first moment helped him, maybe this child in his eyes would say, no, I can fix it by myself. Why did you help me? In the same way, God left us trying to save ourselves without any help from him. Because in our arrogance, if God actually fulfilled the economy of salvation from the day in which Adam and Eve fell, in our arrogance, we would have said, we don't need it. We were able to save ourselves. So this 5,500 years from Adam to Christ, everyone reached this conclusion. We fail to save ourselves. We need a savior. We need somebody to help us. We cannot save ourselves. Then Christ came. And with Christ came also something very important I want you to know. We read it actually every day in the Ebrea, in the first hour, in the gospel of the first hour. The law was given by Moses. But grace and truth given by Jesus Christ. So Jesus came with this word grace. Grace. And if I want to say what is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I'm not speaking about the, the New Old and New Testament as books, the book of the, I'm speaking about the covenant. What's the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant? In one word, this word would be grace. In the old covenant, there was no grace. In the new covenant, we are living in the era of grace. In the era of grace. Or the covenant of grace. We are living in the covenant. What's the grace? Grace, the definition of grace, number one, it is a free gift. It is not a reward. You don't earn it. It's a free gift. Given to us, not based on our worthiness. Because if it is based on our worthiness, then it's a reward. But given to us based on the goodness of God, on His love, because of his, uh, the abundance of his love, because of the multitudes of his mercy. These three elements in the definition are very important. Free gift, not based on our worthiness, but because of the goodness, the abundance of love, and the multitudes of the mercies of God. That is the definition of grace. How grace solved these four problems? How grace solved these four problems? The first problem is the problem of sin. We are born with sin, we are born with corrupted nature. Some people in their mind said, you know the reincarnation. 
they say when we die, we are born again of flesh, that's reincarnation. And every time we die and born again, die and born again, die and born again, we become actually purified. Definitely, we don't believe in reincarnation. And reincarnation never happened. But the logical answer to this, you can find it in John chapter 3. The Lord, when Nicodemus told him, should I enter my mother's womb to be born again? The Lord told him, he who is born of flesh is flesh. Meaning what? Let me assume that reincarnation is true. Every time you are born of flesh, means born from your parents, your flesh, you are carnal. So if you are born again from your parents or from other parents, thousand times, every time you will be born with the original sin and with the corrupted nature. So this will not solve the problem. That's why the Lord said, but he who is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. So how I will be born of the Spirit? How I will be born again of the Spirit? The Lord said, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. In Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit was hovering on the water. And God created the whole world. So in the same way, in baptism, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, hovered on the water of baptism. And then what happened in baptism? Number one, we die with Christ. So the person who is born of flesh, this carnal person, who is born with the original sin, who is born with the corrupted nature, dies in the water of baptism. As St. Paul said in Romans chapter 6, we are buried with him in baptism. Then, a real birth happens in baptism. But now I am born of flesh? No. I am born of the Spirit of God. So I am born again in baptism, but now I am not born of flesh. That's why a person who comes out of baptism doesn't have corrupt, uh, corrupted nature, doesn't have original sin, he is new. He received the righteousness, righteousness means from the word right, as if he fulfilled all the righteous requirement of the law. St. Paul said, you who are baptized, you put on Christ. Christ came and he fulfilled all the righteous requirement of the law. So, when I am baptized, I put on Christ. So now Christ and me are one. So in Christ, I fulfilled all the righteous requirement of the law, which I failed to fulfill before, by my own words. So the first problem was solved through baptism. 
But let me ask a question here. Is baptism grace or work? Did you earn? Did you earn this righteousness? So did you receive this righteousness of Christ? Because you earned as a reward, you worked hard for it, or it was given to you as free gift, not based on my worthiness, but based on the goodness of God. Is it grace or reward? Hmm? It's grace. Tell me what this young baby did or infant did in order to earn it. He did not So it is grace, it is not a reward. Reward means you work hard for it, you earn it. It is grace. So the first problem now is solved. And why we rest that the children who are baptized or even other in wine symbolizes the righteousness of Christ that we receive. That's why we put the mark of the red ribbon like a cross. Cross means through the blood of Christ now I received this righteousness as a free gift. Grace, not a reward. What about the second problem? Second problem I have law, many commandments. And I cannot actually keep these commandments by myself. Let me say the commandments is like this table. It is heavy for me to carry it by my own. So every time I like to carry this table, I fail. I cannot carry it. But if I ask it two or three to help me in carrying this table, I will be able to carry it. Right? Because I have helper. So in the new covenant, God gave us helper. Who is the helper? Hmm? The Holy Spirit. But the helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you read it in the Gospel of the third hour of that day. So now in the new covenant, I am keeping these commandments by my mouth, not by my own ability. But I have the grace of the Holy Spirit to help me. The Holy Spirit convicts me. The Holy Spirit comforts me. The Holy Spirit sanctifies me. The Holy Spirit teaches me. So through the work of the Holy Spirit in me, I can keep his commandments. That's why St. John in his letter said, and we know that his commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because now I have the Holy Spirit. That's why the Lord in the Sermon on the Mountain, He took the commandments into a higher level. Why higher level? Because now we have the Holy Spirit. For example, in the past, the commandment was, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But people couldn't even keep this commandment. Samson, David, Solomon, these great people commanded adultery. But in the New Testament, we have the grace of the Holy Spirit. So this commandment was taken to a higher level. If you look at a woman to last after a year, he committed adultery. In the Old Testament, 
God shall not murder. Moses killed. Uh, David killed. Solomon killed. So all these great people murdered the prophets. In the new, uh, in the new covenant, you have the Holy Spirit. So this commandment was taken to higher level. If you become angry at your brother and you say to him, foolish one, you that this person deserves a fire of hell. So it, it was taken to a higher level because you have the grace of the Holy Spirit. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? That is the second section, which is called the confirmation, the chrismation. When Abuna anoints me with the holy oil, the Holy Spirit abides in me. As St. Paul said, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you. The Holy Spirit abides in you. So we receive the Holy Spirit after we are baptized. We receive the second baptization. And I have the same question to you. Did, when we receive the Holy Spirit, was this a reward to us or grace? Is it a free gift or a reward? Grace. So it is a grace. God gave us the, the Holy Spirit as free gift. Because he loved us, based on the multitude of his mercy, based on the abundance of his love, based on his goodness, because this is the will of God, your sanctification. God wants you to be holy. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. The third problem, the problem of forgiveness. In the Old Testament, there was no forgiveness, as I explained to you. But now, Jesus on the cross, he died and he carried all the sins of all the people in all ages. He carried all the sins of all the people in all ages. So Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he already died on all the sins you have committed and all the sins that you will commit until the last place of your life. He already died on behalf of all these sins. He is the Lamb of God who carries the sins of the whole world. So the Lord Jesus Christ carried our sins. And since he died, his blood can purify us from every sin. So now, now, there is forgiveness for each one of us, for each one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness for all your sins, the sins that you committed and the sins that you will commit. There is already forgiveness for all these sins. So how can we get this forgiveness? So let's imagine that God opened a bank for forgiveness, called the Bank of Forgiveness. And He opened an account for each one of us. And this account, He deposited to each one of us forgiveness enough to forgive all the sins from your birth your death. So you don't have any excuse. 
You have enough forgiveness to forgive all your sins from your birth to your death. When you go to the bank, you will actually, uh, number one, you need to meet with the cashier. And if you asking him, I need to withdraw, for example, 500, 1,000. He will ask for your ID to make sure that you are the right person. And he will ask you whether there is enough money in your account. And how much do you need? So if I go and give him my ID, and he found that there is enough money, and I need 500, then he will give me 500. If I don't have my ID, you will not give me money. Let's apply this on the bank of forgiveness. The bank of forgiveness is the church. That's the bank of forgiveness. And the cashiers who are working in this bank are the clergy. Because God told them, if you forgive the sins of others, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are redeemed. This cashier, when you go to the bank and you ask for 500 or 1,000, he doesn't give you this money from his own pocket. He will give you from the account. Because your father deposits this money for you in this account. In the same way, when a bona tells me your sins are forgiven, he is not giving this forgiveness from his own authority. But he is getting this from the forgiveness that God deposited in your account. Then you need actually to present your ID to a woman. What's your ID? You need to be a, a person who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born again from the Holy Spirit, and who actually has the Holy Spirit abiding in you, meaning you are a person who is baptized and chrismated, and also living the life of repentance, you, because you are asking for forgiveness. So if you are asking for forgiveness, means you are living the life of repentance. Then Abuna will ask you, like the cashier, how much money do you need? Abuna doesn't worry at all whether there is enough forgiveness or not. He, he is sure 100% that there is enough forgiveness because the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all sins. But he will ask you, what do you need forgiveness for? Like the cashier asks you, how much money do you need? You ask for 500. Let me think, let's just assume. In reality, you need 700, but you ask for 500. How much are you going to get? Only the 500, although you need 700, right? In the same way, when you go to Abuna, Abuna will ask you, how much forgiveness do you need? So you can tell him, I need forgiveness for lying, I need forgiveness for swearing, I need forgiveness for judging, I need forgiveness for gossiping. 
So whatever you ask for, Abuna will give you from your account that the Lord Jesus Christ has deposited you. But if you need, for example, forgiveness for not honoring your parent, but you did not ask for it, are you going to get it? They're not going to get it simply because you did not ask for it. That is the sacrament of repentance and confession. When actually we go and we confess our sins, it is not just chatting or justifying ourselves. As if you are going to the church and say, you know, I need 500, but in reality, I don't need them. That's sometimes what we do in confession. But confession means you go with a repentant heart, you say, I have sinned against God because I lied, I cursed, I swore, I judged, I dishonored my parents, etc. And then Abuna will praise absolution for you. And you will receive the forgiveness. Forgiveness, again. The forgiveness that you receive is the sacrament of repentance and confession. Is it a reward or a grace free gift? Grace. A grace. Grace. A Buddha will not tell you, as long as you are repenting, you will receive the forgiveness as a grace. Maybe Abuna will give you some spiritual exercises to help you not to return back to the sin. But these spiritual exercises are not the price you pay to get forgiveness. I want you to make this very clear. For example, if Abuna had a fast three days or make ten prostrations every day, these exercises are not the price you pay to receive forgiveness. Forgiveness is a free gift given to you based on the goodness, the love, and the mercies of God, not because of your worthiness. You did not earn it. So these are the first problem through baptism, second problem through chrismation, uh, third problem through repentance and confession. And I want you to know that confession it's very, very important because without it, we will not be forgiven. The, the, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And it is not a, a new practice. Some people say it's like a new practice. No, it is not. Read Acts chapter 19, verse 18. Acts 19, verse 18. And all those who believed went to the apostles confessing their deeds. Confessing Acts 19, verse 18. So it was a practice from the early church. The last problem. We were under the sentence of death. Because sin separated us from God. And God is life. We are separated from God, then we became dead. How this problem was solved in the covenant of grace? I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, uh, have cars and they drive. If the battery of your car died, what are you going to do? You say, I need jump. Jump means what? 
you connect it to another battery. So light will be transferred from this battery to the dead battery. Good. So anytime we send, we separate ourselves from God. That is light. When we separate ourselves from God, we are dead. So how actually to be alive again? How to move from death to life? We need jump. We need to be reconnected with God. We need to be united with Him. And God, out of His love, He left to us His body and His blood on the altar every day. And as a bonus in the divine liturgy, I believe, I believe, I believe. This is the life-giving fish. The body of Christ is not only living body, but he is alive giving. He is not only living in himself, yes, he is living in himself, but life giving. He can give life to others. All of us who are living beings, but none of us is life giving. He cannot give life to others. But Christ is. His body is life giving flesh. So, we go and approach the table of the Lord, dead, under the sentence of death. But when we are united with the body of Christ, we eat his blood and drink his blood, he abides in us and we abide in him. Then we move from death to life by this condition. That's what actually the Lord explained in John chapter 6. He eats my body and drinks my blood, will live forever. That's why the Lord said, every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death and confess my resurrection. Confess my resurrection. You can tell me, but I can confess it even without taking communion with your mouth. Yeah, you can confess with your mouth. But to confess it in your life, only through communion, because before communion I was dead, after communion I'm alive. But in First Corinthians chapter 11, St. Paul surprised us by saying, some people will eat the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they will die, because they eat the body and the body, or the, and drink the blood, Unworthy. And they die. And he said, that's why among you, some are weak, some are sick, and some die. So, how can I reconcile what just I said to you? Taking communion will give you life. And uh, what St. Paul said, if you eat the body and the blood of the Lord unworthily, you will die. In order, actually, to explain it in a nice way, a simple way. Uh, you know, the voltage here in America is 110. In Egypt, the voltage is 220. So let me assume now I know all these devices are 110, 220. So there is no problem. But a few years ago, 
most of the devices here, like phones, computers, were 110. So if you take a device that's 110, you travel to Egypt, and then you want to charge it. It's dead. So you want to charge it, and then you plug it into 220. What will happen? Your phone or your device will be permanently damaged. Why? Because they are not on the same level. The electric current is 220, and your device is 110. So this 220, instead of charging, giving life to the device, it destroys the, the, the device. That's why there was a, a, a device called transformer. In order actually to, able, to be able to, to charge your device, you need a transformer. Transformers make both of them on the same level. So the current that enters into your device will be on the same level like your device. Transformer. That's exactly what St. Paul said. If you approach the table of the Lord, like this device at 120, without repentance, an unrepenting heart, then actually you approach the table of the Lord unwelcome. So the body and the blood, instead of giving you life, will either make you ill, or weak, or death. So we need transformer. What is the transformer? The answer in Romans chapter 12. St. Paul said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mind in Greek means news. Renewal means meta, change, meta. So renewal of your mind, meta, noia, metania, which is translated into repentance. So the transformer that I need actually is repentance. When I repent and I approach the table of the Lord, I will be worthy. So the word worthy here, the word worthy, doesn't mean to be sentenced. But to me, approaching the table of the Lord with a repentant heart. That's why the Lord washed the feet of the apostles before giving them his body and his blood. Washing the feet symbolizes their repentance. Because when I walk, my feet get dirty. So washing the feet means washing my sins. When Peter said to the Lord, wash my head and my hands, he, he told him, he who is bathed doesn't need except to wash his feet. Bathing here is a symbol of baptism. So every time I sin, I, need, I don't need to be re-baptized. So the Lord said, if you were baptized, then you don't need to actually be baptized again, but you need to wash your feet. Wash your feet is repentance and confession. That's why the Lord said, as I washed your feet, wash the feet of one another. This is actually a commandment to the clergy to wash the feet of the people through the sacrament of confession. In confession, when a woman praises absolution, is washing your feet from his sins. That's why when we approach the table of the Lord, we need to be repentant and confess our sins, then we can approach 
the, the table of the rule. And here, again, my question, the same question. To move from death to life through the sacrament of communion, is it grace or is it reward? Grace or reward? Hmm. What did you do to earn that you move from death to life? So is it reward? Yes? No? Reward or grace? It's grace. It's grace. Who is worthy actually? Who can claim to be worthy to partake of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to be united with him and to move from death to life? Definitely. Grace. It's grace. So these four problems were solved through the sacraments of the church. That's why St. John Chrysostom said there is no salvation outside the church. There is no salvation outside the church. Because outside the church there is no baptism, there is no charismation, there is no repentance and confession, there is no communion. And we need these four sacraments. These four sacraments are essential to our salvation. Without these four sacraments, we cannot be saved. Yes, there are other three sacraments, but they are not essential to salvation. Meaning, you don't have to be a priest to be saved. The sacrament of priesthood. You don't have to marry to be saved. You don't have to uh, be anointed with the oil of the unction of sick to be saved. So there's three, four sacraments that are essential for salvation, that you need to receive them, each one of us need to receive them to be saved, are baptism, chrismation, repentance and confession, and um, uh, communion. Uh, priesthood indirectly is essential. Indirectly, let me explain what I mean. Each one of us doesn't have to be a priest, but there has to be priesthood in the church to administer these sacraments. Because if there is no priest, how these sacraments will be administered? So in a way, priesthood is essential indirectly. Not that you should be a priest, but the existence of the priest in the church of God is essential to administer these sacraments. The, the purpose of this lecture, to know the importance of the sacraments. And in order to live this sacrament and to partake and to participate in them in a godly way, in a way that actually uh, makes you receive this grace that actually will give you eternal life and inheritance with all the saints. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.